Hi, and welcome to Global Impact, a podcast designed to help you find the freedom to accomplish more with your life, increase the productivity of your team, and make a difference in the lives of people around the world. I'm your host, J.W. Oliver, and I thank you for joining us. Hi, this is J.W. Oliver with Global Impact, and we've got a super special guest today in Mr. David Moffat. Hello, David. How are you? J.W., I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm really well. Thank you for having me. Well, we, we know that uh, how important you are to understand that I have stayed up past my bedtime <laughs> so that I can have a conversation with the head guru, David, all the way from Texas all the way to New South Wales. That's right, New South Wales. Did I say that New right? New South Wales, Australia, yeah. I and, know. Uh, and and you know that when you go to bed tonight that uh, you're going to wake up tomorrow because I'm in your future uh, because we're <laughs> a day ahead. It's uh, it's Saturday afternoon down here, so you know that the world's not going to end tonight. Oh, yeah, it's a way to look at it. If I've, if I've ever worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, I'll just call you and ask, right? That's it, and I can tell you. And... Um, and I can tell you that the future looks good for Saturday at this point in time. Good, good. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to head to the snowy New York for a dental convention, but uh, that's fine as well. But Dave, David's an interesting uh, person, and uh, we've got to know each other through social media. And I follow David. I've listened to some of his podcasts, follow some of his writings that he has, and very interesting. He is the creator of the Ultimate Patient Experience he has grew your practice 30x, is that correct? Grew it from 30x and sold out. Yes. And uh, author of How to Build the Dental Practice of Your Dreams. He's a coach, he's a speaker, he writes a blog. I went and looked at your testimonials, David. You've got people from Ireland, Denmark, England, Scotland, Wales, Spain, <laughs> and Fort Worth, Texas, which I could throw a rock and hit that from here. There you go. And. Uh... I got to say, you know, Texas to me, it's only one stop away because I can fly from Sydney straight into DFW and I'm there. It's just one sleep by the way. So uh, I, I, I love Texas. I've got some great friends in Texas and um, I, I really enjoy flying in there. And I'm one of these people who actually likes DFW. I think DFW is a great airport and easy for me to get around. And it's always very comfortable, plenty of lounges to choose from. So, yeah. It, it's much better than JFK or Heathrow for me. Well, I'm I'm a little partial. I'm 20 minutes north of the airport. I can I can be there. I can I can leave about an hour and 20 minutes before my flight and still make my flight. So yeah, living here in Dallas is just you know fantastic. And we're in the center of the you know from the U.S. perspective, we're in the center of the country, which makes it nice to get whether you're going to go to East Coast or West Coast. But you know, I have not been to Australia, and that's like top of my bucket list: Australia, New Zealand. I don't want to hurt, hurt your feelings with the Kiwis, but I want to see both of those while I'm there. Yeah, well, you're in the area, so you may as well come on down. And to, to put the uh, the populations in perspective, we uh, the population of Australia is about the same population as Texas. And I think in Australia, we have about the same number of dentists as you've got in Texas. So uh, Wow. But, but the size of Australia is that it's uh, it's about 92% of the U.S. mainland size, so it's it's about as wide, but because it's a, an island, we've got the corners cut off. So if you cut the four corners off, um, but that, that's about it. So we're 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 pretty big, even though we're just a little island down under. It's a 
be gone. So there's a, a little lot of island desert. down under. Yeah, that's not a little island anymore. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I, that's a little interesting tidbit of a fact I didn't know. Also, your wife, Jane, she has the dental phone excellence, but also we were talking a little bit about before we got on about call tracking excellence. So you're just covering the whole gamut of the dental world as well. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, I decided, after I sold my practice in 2007 and I worked on for five years, I had a five year agreement. I was kind of working out what would I do and whether I'd you know, go and uh, set up another practice, go and work for friends, move to another part of uh, Sydney. And um, then, you know, I was kind of uh, medically, um, had to medically retire myself due to arthritis in my hands. But I'd also been looking at doing some coaching because I had some uh, coaching is what had helped me build a successful practice. And I knew it uh, worked and I, and I knew the principles of it. And I also knew some really good coaches ones that I'd used, but other people that I'd met in the US. And so I, I tried my hand at, I thought, well, if I can build a practice myself, can I teach that to other people? And so I started doing that. But my wife started working in our practice uh, as a concierge, as a schmoozer. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, when, when, um, when our children were old enough to find their own way home from school, she'd drop them off at school and then she'd come down and work uh, with us. And I said, all I want you to do is just schmooze with the patients, just keep them, when they come in, keep them, you know, keep them happy because we don't want them to get anxious. We don't want them to get worried. And if you're chatting with them and visiting with them, they'll keep their, their mind uh, away from what's gonna happen. So that when they come into the treatment room, they're gonna uh, enjoy the treatment more, but they're also gonna be more open-minded about um, any treatments that they have to have and, and so she was a great concierge but um, her story is very interesting JW because as would happen um, one day she came in to do her concierging and both our receptionists were sick and so she had to answer the phone and she's like well how hard can that be and uh, by her own admission she goes this is hard you know people want to cancel people want to get in and so she 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 uh, decided that that was something that um, she could be she could exercise control in the dental practice by helping people get the appointments they want helping them keep their their appointments for treatment because you know, when they when they don't come in it just gets worse and helping them to be able to afford the treatment so she became very good at her craft because before we married she was a school teacher so she could teach people um and she could influence because you know we all know from our school days how much influence our our uh, our early childhood teachers had on, on us so she was a big influencer and so um after i left the practice she did too and i said you really need to teach what you were able to do at our front desk and so she's done that and she's she's actually more popular than me uh, on the speaking circuit down here, which I don't. He's better I looking mind. for sure. I do want to yeah, have well, that in there. Well, well, that, that's it. We uh, we call that uh, down here. We call that punching above our weight. You know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, she she certainly is the better looking person. I I, I lucked in there. That's for sure. So don't we you, call don't it? We call it in the, the American football. We call it outkicking our coverage. And I did the same thing. So I, I outkicked <laughs> my coverage. There you go. I, there's one I'll, uh, I'll I'll remember there. I love that. And um, yeah, don't you tell her that because she might think that she can get better there. Uh, <laughs> she might she might ditch me. But uh, so we, you know, we, I started coaching on uh, on customer service. You know, retaining patients. Uh, 
um, keep being nice to them and make sure that you had systems for doing that as opposed to just making it a haphazard sort of process. But what we really found was that, you know, the, the number one thing that influences people in, in hiring coaching is to have uh, an immediate success. And the best way to have an immediate success is to um, get them results on the phone, you know, in, decrease the cancellations, increase the, the bookings, and uh, and also you know you make sure that they get kept because sometimes people book a call book an appointment but they got no intention of turning up either so we we, we had this to uh, fix that issue as well so we we work well as a team um, it's now my turn to you know in the dental office you know she would point me in the direction of where I had to go you're going to be in this room do this whatever now it's my turn to say well you know we've got to do this um, you get up and, and do your your thing and I'll look after the back end and get her organized so uh, we're enjoying that we're doing that uh, here in Australia and the, the call tracking is really a, a great um, product for getting results instantly um, but uh, the best part about getting results for people is that it, it helps them get control of their practices and that's really important because nobody wants to work their whole life going through dentistry and then getting out the other end and saying well I had a practice for 40 years I made no money I've got to go on the pension you know what's the point of that um, you know the, the, the purpose of all that investment in our, in our education in our facility and our ongoing learning should be to create a, a, a lifestyle for ourselves a lifestyle for our family so that we can enjoy the fruits of our labor that's 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 what free enterprise is all about. And um, and I think dentistry gives a great opportunity for that if you know what to do. Sadly, dental schools don't teach that. You know, they just teach you how to do the technical stuff. David, I heard you, uh, you you've got a, a, a quote on your website I picked up that said, when choosing advice, choose someone successful in that field. And, and that kind of plunges right into what you're talking about dental school. I think in my 30 plus years in the dental business, I have found that most dentists, no offense to the dentist, are not very business minded. I would say probably 90% of them are not very business minded, but it seems the ones that do quite successful are the ones who are good at their clinical work, but then they go out and seek advice on how to run their practice, how to manage their finances, how to increase their uh, you know production per hour and lower cancellation. So. I think it's key that that we remember guys like you who've been successful in practice that we should choose advice we should choose coaching i mean we we get coached in almost every phase of our lives i mean if we want to run a a marathon we get coaching if we want to do a triathlon we get coaching and i think it's the same with the dental business we've got to find out how to do things better well and, and that's the truth jw and uh it's, it's funny before we we started the interview we were talking about you were doing um uh triathlons and and marathons i've got a friend in the u.s he's a a sales speaker and he uh he was running marathons and he decided you, you mentioned you were in hawaii he decided that uh, he wanted to uh run do triathlons he said there, there was one problem he's 40 44 years old he didn't know how to swim and <laughs> uh, right and so 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 here's the analogy he didn't just go to a swimming pool dive in and see what worked he went and got himself a swim coach who would teach him how to swim and so that he could become a good swimmer and the the result of the story is that he actually competed in uh, the Ironman in Kona 
Uh, he's done marathons and, and wow. triathletes. He, he's done tri sorry triathlons all over um, the um, the U.S. He's in a in, and he's seventy plus years old now. Uh, he says the good thing about him, he says, uh, when he does a triathlon, you know, you start with the swim leg. He says, when he, when the guy who's leading gets out of the water first, he's got to go and find his bike. He said, when I get out of the water, he said, I know where my bike is. There's only one or two there. <laughs> <laughs> I he said, I, I I can catch it up on the run and the ride. He said, but he said, oh, but yeah, I can. And so, yeah, I love that story. He just didn't dive into that water. He went and got himself a, a coach. And, Amen. Uh, and, and so the number, and this is from him. He said, um, you know, uh, most uh, sport, all sporting teams uh, uh, have uh, better, uh, um, they're better at run than, um, than most uh, businesses because they have the three Ps. They have a professional coach, they have a playbook, and they practice. And if you think about your dental practice, um, we, we don't have a coach. Uh, we don't have a playbook. We make stuff up. We, we, we don't even know what scripts to say. And we don't practice what to say. We don't practice our, our case presentation. We don't practice how to respond to questions in the, in the office. We don't even practice how we, how we transfer the patient from the front to the back with a consistent manner. Um, and, and, and if we just focused on those three things in the dental practice, we would be far more successful. But the, the successes I had in my business and the successes I've been able to teach others is because you know they've said, well, I need a coach to get better because you know, I, and dentistry is the apart from being a motor mechanic, dentistry is pretty much the same. You know, the motor mechanic he's under the car all day, he can't see what's going on in the office. Dentist, he's got his head down the patient's mouth, can't see what's going on behind, can't hear what's going on on the phone, doesn't know what's who's saying what to who, and um, and they're, they're just hopeful that things are working out right. And uh, hope's not a really good. Um, strategy for success well and i think you you, you mentioned it there uh, that most of them have their head under the hood if you would and they wait till the end of the month and they want to go look at the cash balance and see how they're doing they're they're short on money or maybe just getting by or their salaries are are, are less than desirable and and what do they do is that we just need to increase our production but you know once you start doing something bad just continuing to do something bad doesn't make it better it actually no. makes things worse. So now you're just exhausted and busy and, and not making it. So how would you how would you say that works with, with your coaching and what your wife is doing and to, and to improve the practice so that you're not working harder, maybe just working smarter? Well, you know, I used to go to dental meetings as, as a dentist and what I'd hear was guys saying, um, there was two things. The guys who weren't busy said they always needed more new patients. And then there were guys who, who were seeing heaps of new patients, like a hundred a month, and yet their practices weren't growing. And so they were they, they were churning through them too quickly or they were attracting the wrong sort of patient and spending a lot of time treating the wrong sort of patient as well. I worked out that, you know, in my practice, I needed one new patient per day per dentist that, I, that, that we worked. You know, we, we, if I worked a 20 day month, I needed 20 new patients a month. That replaced the ones who, um, moved away, died, or just moved into hygiene because you wanted your hygiene to keep keep filling up. You know, a regular patient doesn't need as much work as a new patient, especially new patients who haven't been to the dentist for a while. But that that's a simple thing. But it's 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 finding the right people and you've got to you've got to you've got to look at what, what are you trying to attract. Um, 
and what sort of business? I've got a, a dentist friend and he just uh, built his practice on, on you know, uh, one and go dentistry. People who come in, want a tooth pulled out, never see him again until they want the next one. And he sees lots and lots of people. He says, well, my area, that's all they want. But I bet in his area, there are other people who want a dental home. He's just not attracting them. But you know, that's just what he chooses. So, you know, you got to be trying to be everything to everybody is, is tough because you end up being nothing to, to, yeah. to nobody. And so I, you know, my practice was, was great. I was able to build a successful practice in a, in a working class part of town. We charged a higher price, a significantly higher price for, for our dentistry. But we found people who wanted that, who didn't want to travel you know, an extra hour to go and uh, get the same service you know, in, the, in the prestigious part of town because we delivered a great service. You know, but again, we, we will, in business, um, across the board, JW, what we find is that if, 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 if we're providing a service or if anybody's providing a service, 20 to 25% of the population don't care what the competitors charge if they're happy with the service. So I think, you know, the guy who was mowing my lawn, I don't know what the guy who was mowing the lawn over the road was charging because my guy did a really good job. My guy used to take photos of my lawn and post them on Instagram and, and show how good he was at mowing my lawn. Like he'd mow it like a like a like in a checkerboard and up and back <laughs> like a cricket pitch. And I thought, wow, he takes he likes my lawn better than I like my lawn. And well, he was taking yeah. pride in it. That's that's the part of taking pride in your work, right? And which is somewhat of a lost art as well. So it's it's not always about increasing the revenue and increasing what you're doing, but maybe taking care of your customers that you do have, taking care of your clients that you do have, and that's what that ultimate patient experience is all about as well. And that's the truth. And the funny thing is, you know, my uh, I had a swimming pool in my backyard, and the only person who used the pool was the pool guy, because my kids didn't want to swim in it anymore, and I didn't want to swim in it anymore. But the pool guy come and he'd, he'd go by the pool, but the pool guy started getting bad. So I asked the, the lawnmower if he knew a pool company, and he said, "Well, try these guys." So I rang them up, and they said, "Well, we can't get out for a month." And I said, "Well, do you know somebody who could?" And they said, "No, we're the best." And so I waited a month, and they were. They were the best. They, they, they were much better than anybody else that I'd had before. So, again, good good service is worth waiting for. Um, and that's really important as well to, 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 to realize that it's worth paying for, and sometimes it's worth waiting for as well. So if you, if you, if you, if you build your business based on service and scarcity rather than commodity, you will have a successful business. Yeah, I, I think that's true. You know, if, if you want to get your car worked on, you're probably not going to be able to get it in tomorrow at the best place. If you want your teeth worked on, you're probably not going to be able to make an appointment tomorrow to get your hygiene done. They're probably stretched out three, four, six, eight weeks in advance, which that's probably a good sign, right? I mean, if you're if your doctor, your dentist or dentist primarily is busy that far in advance, that means that they're doing a good job. And that's the kind of customer service you want as well. Yeah, but what we did in our practice was that we always had same day flex time that was open at the start yeah. of the day because we knew how many people were going to call be they our patients or, or or new patients or both and the best relationship you can build in a dental practice is to get somebody out of trouble when they're in pain or when they think they've got an emergency so we knew what we had and of course if we didn't keep those those spaces or we had the wrong sort of stuff in those spaces as well we would find that we would be turning away really good business. Um, but when we got those people in, um, 
it was, uh, you know, we became their best friend. And there's restaurants. You're off to the Greater New York um, meeting next week. Right, um, right. If you can get, have you ever been to Balthazar down in, um, in Soho? No, no. So if you go there, you walk in the door and you say, look, I haven't got a booking. Can you get me in? They go, well, we're fully booked, but if you want to wait at the bar, we might be able to get you in. And so we go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait at the bar. We'll have a drink. Well, might be at the, at the bar having a drink. And then they say, we've got a little table over here in the corner. Would you like that? And we go, yeah. But it took me three visits there before I realized that they actually had a little waiting area, which was their same day flex time area. So they actually wow. never turned anybody away. If they got a cancellation in their main restaurant, where you get in there as well. But you, they're, what they're not doing is they're not sending people out to eat at another restaurant and never getting that customer. Yes, if you don't mind waiting a few minutes, we got a little flex time here and you, you can yeah, fill yeah. that space as well. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. marvelous. But without advertising it as flex time and without saying, well, we keep a holding pen, but it took me a while to realize that that's what they're doing. So tapas places are like that too. You could sit up at the bar or you know, yeah, and, and they just turn them over quick at the bar. And what I found, especially in Balthazar, was that it was often just people just wanted, you know, uh, maybe a... Um, a French onion soup and a plate of oysters, a glass of champagne, a little dessert, a quick meal, not a long meal as well. So, and sometimes people on their own as well. So they move quickly through those as well. So um, it was a buzzing place. You know, you, you've also coached a lot of offices and a lot of different countries and a lot of different places. Um, one of the things you mentioned is that you have to be open to change. And I find that's in my life as well, whether I want to make my relationship better with my wife, if I want to make my relationship better with my kids or building a better business relationship. Sometimes I'm the, you know, I'm the loose nut on the wheel and I need to correct what I'm doing. Is that probably the biggest obstacle you find in coaching is that they're resistant to change as well? I, I think so. You've, you, you've heard the phrase, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And yeah, and so the the people who come, it's easier for me to to find the people who are looking to change rather than for me to go knocking on doors and telling people, well, you know, I can show you your problems and you need to fix them, because sometimes 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 I get called into coach practices and offices and I can see the problem, and the dentist won't change it to fix it. And the biggest culprit in this is the dentist who surrounds himself with. Um, multiple dentists uh, who aren't producing and they've got of course multiple costs because you've got staff associated with that you've got equipment associated with that and if you strip it all back what you would find is that if that dentist just got rid of all the associates and structured their own book better had two hygienists they would put more money in their pocket at the end of the the, the day the month the year uh, but they, they're surrounded, they want to surround themselves with an image that bigger is better, but bigger is, you know, it's, 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 it's a mistake, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a disguise and they're really bleeding, they're bleeding. And, but they, you know, they, they like to think, well, I've got three dentists work for me. Well, they're not really working for you. You're working for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and typically you'll find that uh, either one or all of those other three dentists are actually making more money than the guy running the show, right? And and that's, well, that's pretty common yep. as well. Yep, yep, yep. And they're making rules. They have, they, you know, they come to, this is a funny thing about a dental office. 
The dentist ha who owns the business, he has his rules, but he lets other people come in and work on their rules. That's like, that's like, you know, we were talking about hotels. That's like going to the Waldorf Astoria and one guy used to work at the Doubletree and one guy used to work at the Marriott and one guy used to <laughs> work at the Hilton and they're all using different systems. Well, we've yeah. we got dental practices that run that way. And of course, you know, in those cases, and this is what really happens, the hygiene patient, your regular Mrs. Smith, she comes twice a year. So she comes in in January and she goes to the dentist and you know, she's having a clean and the dentist comes in while her teeth haven't even been cleaned and he checks them. And then the next time she comes six months later, dentist comes in at the end and her teeth are clean. And then the next time after that, she comes in and they're half clean, half dirty. And she's going, what's going on? How can he tell when they're dirty, when they're half dirty, when they're clean? How can he, how can he be seeing the same thing? And of course, she's the regular. She should be getting the same thing all the time. You know, it's like going to the restaurant and they say, well, well today we're going to serve dessert first. Then we're going to serve the main course. Then you're going to have your starter at the end. No, it's always starter, main, dessert in that order. And so well, dental it, officers don't even run to a schedule on, in hygiene. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, you mentioned something that I found out through uh, multiple failures in businesses myself in different areas is that bigger is not better. Sometimes it's just taking your your niche or the business that you do well and really focusing on that i mean you can grow and you can expand but more revenue more dollars is is is, is not the answer or more patients coming through the door or three dentists or you know go from three to 12 operatories a lot of times it's just learning to do what you have better and i think that's for sure in the dental field as well well it, it, it's the same in business there are businesses out there you know it there are franchises out there that work really well and there are franchises out there that don't make any money yeah. um and there are some franchises that make money for some of their franchise franchisees but not for others but you know i always came back when i was interviewing for staff if somebody came in and they'd worked at mcdonald's then i knew that they knew systems and they knew how to follow a, a playbook there we go we're going back to the playbook and they knew what works you know if mcdonald's can get 13 year old pimple faced kids to make multi-million dollar locations um yeah, those kids obviously learned something and they learned the principles of business and they learned systems and they were great employees. And one of, one of, one of, one of my great prides in having been in a dentist, you know, I was in my practice for 28 years and I think of a couple of the, the people who came to me and they weren't in dental, but they'd worked at McDonald's. So I put them into dental and they, they might've moved on from my practice, but they're now doing something else. Like they're selling equipment, but they're still in the dental game. And I think and that's, I gave them the opportunity of getting into a great profession, but they gave me the opportunity of working with them and training them because they knew um, the logic of systems. And you know, it's funny. We, I keep if I if I say it's funny, I, I, it's, it's funny, strange, not funny, ha ha. <laughs> but one of my front office girls is uh, living in Malta at the moment, and she's talking to my wife, one of my ex. Uh, front office girls and she's talking to my wife and she says I haven't been able to find a dental practice she left us in 2010 nine years she said I haven't been able to find a dental practice that that works the same way you did and I learned so much in those two years I worked for you it's not funny and um, she says I go along and they got everything wrong and she says you unfortunately you've tainted me as to how good it can be that I, and I can't get them to change because you know, I'm just a dental assistant but I can see they need to change so well, if uh, if you need somebody to go to Malta to kick off your franchise there, I'd be willing to volunteer. I hear that's pretty nice there as well. I, I've heard we've got we've got a lot of Maltese live here in Sydney, and um, they say that if all the Maltese from Sydney went back to Malta, it would sink. 
because uh, <laughs> there's so many of them live out here. They're kind of like the Irish. I think there's more Irish live in Chicago than live in Ireland. I think that's right. Between there and New York, I think that's where most of them do live. That's absolutely right. Well, well, David, uh, you know, one of the things I, I know uh, the reason we started and branched off into the support DDS dot com business that we did was to really be able to offer some support services to dentists and in the u.s we've got the insurance verification services we've got patient recare you know a hygiene recare and and the unscheduled treatment plans so there's all these low-hanging fruit that that we've tried to help through support dds to bring it off the table so that you know offices and practices could be more efficient however two two thoughts there one is we have a lot of resistance from that office to change and typically it comes from that office management team the front office maybe they feel threatened by their job they feel like that oh my gosh they're going to be uh, outsourcing or insourcing my office my position to somebody else so i'm i'm, I'm just going to resist this change do you find that's true in what you're doing uh, in the offices and jane may find that as well with the call tracking that there's this complacency to just continue to do things the way they've always been done and, and, and nothing changed, which they always say is the, the definition of insanity. But it seems like that there's that resistance to make things better. And maybe that's for fear of their job or fear of their, their, their place in the world. I, I think it's right. And I, I hear a lot of dentists who will tell me, you know, my staff won't let me um, do that. Um, I know things are bad, but I don't want to upset my team or they, you know, and, and dentists will come and they say, I've got a key person who I've got to get rid of. But when I get rid of them, they're the person who knows everything about how my office works. Yeah, and then I, right. yeah, I, once I lose them, I'm in trouble. One of my good friends um, had somebody, I think with him for 17 years. And for the last eight years, he wanted to get rid of that person. And his wow. coach kept telling him to get rid of that person, but he still didn't do it. And, um, yeah, I was very lucky. The, the, one of the first coaches that I hired, uh, when I went to meet with them, he said, this is back in 1996. He said, we could go into a dental office and we can find a staff member there that's costing the practice $200,000 a year. And I, I, under my breath, I went, that's my practice. And they came in and they said, we'll either change her or we'll have to change her. And you know, it took six months, but she wouldn't change her way. So we moved her on to another practice. And when we replaced her, then we were able to grow. So sometimes we do get complacent. You know, it's like the, uh, the bird that can't fly that falls out of the nest. The young bird that can't fly falls out of the nest, lands in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, uh, the animal dung and you know, struggles and then kind of can't get out of that. And says all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's not so bad in here. It's kind of warm, you know, and they just stay down there. Well, that's sometimes that's what, what dentists do. You know, they, you know, you can tell them, you can show them, but if they don't want to move out of it, um, you can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves. Uh, you know Pareto, Pareto, the Pareto principle, 20% right. of your efforts give you 80% of your results and 80% of your efforts give you 20% of your results. In my practice as a dentist, 20% of my patients gave me 80% of my income and 80% of my pleasure. And the, 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 the 80% gave me 20% of my income and gave me 100% of my headaches. Yeah. And it's it's the same in the dental field. Um, Dr. Omar Reed told me, 
in fact, he even says the numbers are worse. Only 5% of dentists get to the age of 65 and are able to hang up their drill and walk away. The rest of them are still needing to keep working to wow. make money. And you know that 50% of dentists out there don't even want to be dentists. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've, you've, you know, we, we, you spoke about looking for low-hanging fruit. Um, there's a lot of dentists out there. They're not even interested in the fruit. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough, but it's easier to find the guy. You, you know, you just, it's like, it's like looking for pearls. You know, you can't open up the oyster, go, there's no pearl, close it up, give it a rub, open it up again, still no pearl, rub it again. Yeah. If it's got no pearl, it's got no pearl. Toss it away, move on. Thanks again for joining us on another edition of Global Impact. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Deezer and follow us on Facebook. Links will be in the description below. Until next time, stay inspired, stay motivated, and make an impact.